0: We're joined by last week's winner of the John Deere Classic, JT Poston, with a record wire-to-wire victory. He's punched his ticket to next week's Open Championship at the Old Course. But before we head to St Andrews, this week's Genesis Scottish Open boasts the strongest field in DP World Tour history, 14 of the top 15 players in the world, as today we hear from some of the biggest names ting it up at the Renaissance Club. Plus, as major season also continues on the Champions Tour, our very own Justin Leonard is about to make his debut on the Senior Circuit at the Bridgestone Senior Players Championship. The 97 Open champ joins us on the show as you're watching Golf Today.
1: Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet.
0: And with that, we say a very warm welcome into our Gold Channel studios. Great to have you with us. Anna Jackson, delighted, as always, to be alongside the always cheerful Eamon Lynch. It's been a while, my friend. It's good to be back on the desk with you. Um, I have to say, this is just possibly my favourite time of the season. Obviously, the Open Championship gets going next week, just eight days away. This week, we've got the Genesis Scottish Open. The field is just ridiculous. We'll get to that in in a minute's time. Um, but it's just such an exciting time. It's different. It's back to the Lynx. It's back to the home of golf. This is what golf is all about, Amen.
2: Yeah, and we talk about the unpredictable nature of Lynx golf. It's predict- unpredictable even in the sense of the schedule. There are still four possible spots up for grabs in the Open Championship next week. There are four guys who think they're spending next week at home mowing the lawn and doing their laundry <laughs> who might very well be playing in the Open Championship. Three of them, assuming they finish in the top 10, meet the criteria. Three guys can qualify out of the Genesis Scottish Open and one can qualify from the Barbasol Championship on the PGA Tour this week. So there's still so much to play for before you even actually get to St Andrews next week.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited uh, for the next few weeks. And punching a last-minute ticket, um, that is what it was all about for these guys looking to tear it up at the old course. I mean, what a better place to make your Open Championship debut. And I can tell you there is someone who was doing exactly that this next week because it was JT Poston uh, who won last week at the John Deere Classic in the search for his second PGA Tour win. Poston started his final round with three straight birdies and went on to shoot a two under 69 for a three shot victory the 29 year old not only conquered the field but he did it in a historic fashion so let's take a look shall we at the past wire-to-wire winners of the john deere classic and there's not many of them scott hope did it back in 1980 david frost uh, did it 12 years later in 1992 and then jt poston got it done this year with that incredible wire-to-wire win So with his victory on Sunday, Poston also qualifies for the 150th Open Championship at St. Andrews, something that he can say he has never done before. So what a time to claim your second win on the PGA Tour. So with that, I am very pleased to welcome in the man himself, JT Poston. So good to see you. Congratulations. We've just looked back on what a historic week it was for you. Such a huge achievement. Now that you've had a bit of time to reflect, how are you sort of soaking in the success that you had last week?
3: Man, it's just been a few days of doing exactly that, uh, soaking it in, uh, trying to figure out plans to get to St. Andrews and all those logistics. And it's it's been a lot of fun and we're really excited to get there.
2: JT, you started off the final round, of the John Deere Classic with three straight birdies. You made a statement, then you had a couple of bogeys and seemed to wobble a little bit. What did you tell yourself to kind of steady the ship as you headed towards the turn on Sunday morning?
3: Well, it was actually uh, Aaron Fleener, my caddy. He kind of pulled me aside at walking off seven green after I had just gotten it up and down from a tough spot to kind of settle down a little bit. And he just said, we got to get back to talking through every shot and being 100% committed uh, to what we're doing and um, just living with the result after that. So that was kind of a turning point for us to get us back on the right track and, and finish it off.
0: You know, JT, we don't often see players winning wire-to-wire out there on the PGA Tour. Why? Because, well, it is just so darn hard to do. The pressure, I can't even imagine sleeping on that lead headed into Saturday, having led all three days. What did you learn about yourself, the way that you managed to deal with that position, something that you've never sort of been in before and how you managed to hold on and execute on the Sunday?
3: Yeah, I just learned that um, I... I now can say that I can play well under, under the pressure and, the, and trying to win on tour with the lead. Um, my, first, my first win at the Wyndham, I came from behind, and I never really led outright until the last couple holes. And so this was totally different, having the lead all week. And it just gives me confidence knowing that I can, I can win from coming behind and I can win uh, being out in front. So um, I'm excited.
2: JT, you went through a rough stretch professionally in the second half. Of last year you'd missed the cut in the two FedEx Cup playoff events and then the first six cuts of this year what did you work on with your coach John McNeely that led you to where you are now having gone T2 and first in your last two starts
3: yeah so I've always been kind of a field player so um, we work on the golf swing a decent bit but that was probably the most we've ever had to work on actually making some legitimate changes and it was tough Uh, we went from I was kind of shut and steep and trying to get it a little more square at the top of my swing and shallow and just giving myself a little bit more room to, to be able to uh, hit the ball a little more consistently. And so it was there were a lot of golf balls being hit, um, a lot of work being put in. I sent him a lot of videos and stuff like that over the last year. And um, it's, it's awesome that it's finally starting to, to pay off. And we knew it was going to. It was just a matter of time. It just took a little while.
0: It was obviously a huge moment for you a couple of years ago, winning the Wyndham, your breakthrough win uh, on the PGA Tour, but it almost feels like sometimes that second win can just be that little bit harder than the first win. What does this win do for you in terms of not just validating the fact that you belong out on the PGA Tour, but actually you're so much more than just belonging out there? Where do you feel like your sort of your ceiling is out there now?
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's just with each win, your confidence gets gets better and better. And, you know, for me... I think the next step is is playing well and, and contending in the bigger tournaments, the majors, the you know making it to the tour championship, and uh, those have always been goals of mine since getting out on the PGA Tour. But this is just feels like one step closer of uh, being a multi multiple uh, time PGA Tour winner, and um, yeah, that's kind of the next that's that's next on the list. I think is to is to play well in the big events and um, stuff like that.
2: But part of the reward for a job well done is earning yourself another week of work. Next week in St. Andrews, JT, you've never played an Open Championship. Have you any experience of of Lynx golf and what are your expectations heading to St. Andrews?
3: It's going to be very new to me. I've been over to Scotland one time for, I had a teammate, Stephen Smith, that got married uh, over there and we played golf one day. We played at uh, the Renaissance Club where they're having the Scottish Open this week. Uh, but that's the only Lynx golf that I've ever experienced, so um, there'll definitely be a learning curve for Aaron and I. But we're gonna get over there early enough to to take it all in, learn as much as we can, and uh, as far as expectations go, we're gonna we're gonna you know the goal is to win. We wanna we wanna take that clear Jug home at the end of the week, so we're gonna do everything we can to to give ourselves a chance at doing that.
0: I'm so excited for you that you're going to the Open Championship and that you're doing it for the very first time at the old course. I mean, there is literally no better place. How much do you sort of, when you go to these places like Scotland and Europe and and places that you don't necessarily have that much experience with, how much do you try to embrace the culture and just kind of smell the air of St Andrews, you know, the birthplace of golf? It's going to be such a, a unique experience. How are you sort of planning your week?
3: Yeah, so we know it's going to be it's going to be unique and so special and there's going to be a sort of wow factor to it getting over there for the first time. So we're going over there early to to try and, you know, get go ahead and take it all in uh, this coming weekend and early next week and sort of get that wow factor uh, out of the way so that I can start preparing for for the golf tournament uh, come that starts on Thursday. So. I think we're, you know, our game plan of getting over there early is going to be good, and we couldn't be more excited.
2: JT, I'm curious, in what way are you a, a different golfer or a better golfer with your second PGA Tour win than you thought you were with the first one back in 2019?
3: I think just the the validation that comes with the second win, uh, knowing that the 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 first one was not a not a fluke of sorts, or just catching one hot week. You know, if you've done it multiple times, you know that you can do it uh, any week when, when your game is there. So I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is just the confidence of, I've not only done it once, I've done it twice. Now I've done it two very different ways. And so, you know, going forward, getting ready for tournaments, trying to get in contention. I know when I'm, when I put myself in that spot that I can get the job done and, and win some more.
0: Well, what a great stretch of golf it is for you, JT Post, and it is so good to see you. Enjoy every moment of next week. It will be such a fantastic experience, and best of luck clutching that third win. We're looking forward to seeing you back on the show when that happens, Uh, so enjoy.
3: (laughs) That sounds good. Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you. Well, after the break, speaking of Scotland, Rex Hoggard and Andrew Coulter previewed the action this week at the Genesis Scottish Open. Final preparations are underway for the players as they get ready for next week's Open Championship at St Andrews.
1: golf today brought to you by points bet this season don't just bet live your bet life and win grips the best grips in golf and by zexio experience light, experience easy zexio experience the difference do summer projects your way with memorial day savings from the home depot
4: Welcome
0: back. Well, let's take a look at what's happening this week as the Rolex series continues. The Genesis Scottish Open begins tomorrow at the Renaissance Club in North Berwick, Scotland. For the first time, this event becomes official on the PGA Tour as it's being co-sponsored with the DP World Tour. This is one of the DP World Tour's Rolex series events and is also an open qualifying series event with the top three finishes among the top ten not already exempt for the major earning spots into the Open at St. Andrews. So just check this out and let's take a look at the strength of field at the Genesis. Scottish Open, 14 of the top 15 players in the world, all four reigning major champions. It's the strongest field in DP World Tour history, no doubt thanks to that co-sanctioning. So with that, let's send things over to Rex Hoggard, who is out on the grounds at the Renaissance Club, alongside Sky Sports' Andrew Coltart.
5: Thank you very much Andrew. I don't think you and I have to even say anything when we talk about conditions. We, you can just listen to the wind whipping around. It's been brutal all day long. It's going to get a little bit easier as the week goes by, but how do you think the course is going to play?
6: Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong there. Even I, Scotsman, a little bit surprised at how blustery <laughs> it, it, it is out there. It's been pretty tough for players out there uh, today just trying to get used to it. But look, this the great thing about the Renaissance Club is is that it's a it's a very fair and and, and to a certain extent forgiving golf course. So as long as conditions are going to improve slightly, the, the players are thoroughly going to enjoy their experience here. There's no doubt about it. They don't want to get bashed up before they obviously go and play a major championship next
5: week, and this is why this is an exceptional test uh, to, to host the Scottish Open. On when you look at this field, it's the first time it's been co-sanctioned between the PGA Tour and the PGA and the DP World Tour. Give me an idea of what player is going to stand out here, because you have the mix between the two. And so many great players. Oh, what a f- I mean, what a field we have here. Uh, it's
6: it's, it's going to be a sensational tournament. You you have to change your ball flight. You have to control the spin. If you send it up there in the air, you're going to get pulverized out there by, by these conditions. Uh, you've got to land the ball short of greens and expect particularly downwind holes 30, 40 yards of release. That's something that particularly over there on the PGA Tour, the players aren't accustomed to. They just play the yardage. So you really have to adapt, and uh, you know, I know some of the players have come across beforehand, experienced some of the Irish courses, maybe a couple of courses in Scotland, to try and, um, to try and develop the game for,
5: uh, for this week and for next week. But uh, you're going to have to fight that wind, and you've got to keep it low. Now, more headlines off the course this week with Liv Goff. Now, there's four players who had been banned from playing this event by the DP World Tour who are now allowed to because of a court ruling. As a European Tour member, when you look at what the situation is going on, what are your feelings towards that?
6: Yeah, it's, it's, it's disappointing. It's incredibly distracting. I, I feel for the players that actually have have to play playing their own tour because they don't want to be talking about this and they're being forced to talk about this. Ever since I was a little child, I dreamt of playing on the DP World Tour and I got that opportunity and, and you know, not everybody gets a dream come true. These players have had that opportunity and I just feel like they've almost kind of tossed it aside for something that they they believe is better. And, you know, for a passionate DP World 2 supporter, you know, that sticks in
5: your throat a bit. Well, luckily, tomorrow we'll be able to start talking about the golf. Appreciate your time, Andrew. No problem. Anna?
0: It's good to hear Andrew Colzart speaking so passionately about the European Tour, the DP World Tour. He's obviously been a part of the tour for 20, 30 years. But this week is a huge week for the DP World Tour. It's the strongest feel they've ever had at the championship. But what do you think is going to be one of the most intriguing storylines that we'll see Amen?
2: Basically what Rex and Andy were just talking about right there is the, in a way, I suppose it's the interpersonal dynamics because for the longest time, this whole live story has been kind of part philosophical, part political. It's something that existed out there. But now it's really having an impact in terms of golf tournaments here. We've got four players who lawyer their way into the field. And you can tell they've even been ostracized on the tee sheet because the the four guys in question are being sent out while everyone else is playing as a threesome, they're being sent out in two twosomes and they are the first tee time in each wave each day. And the the welcome they're getting on the tee sheet may well reflect the kind of welcome they're gonna get in the locker room. And that's to me becomes the intriguing storyline of this week is we keep hearing players talk all the time about how the guys who've gone to Live are are their friends and will remain their friends. That's true as far as it goes, but now they see the Live guys, they're using phrases like double dip and coming back and trying to take spots in the field and money from the DP World Tour from these guys as well. And that suddenly becomes personal. They don't object if you want to go take the money, go play another tour, that's fine. Don't come back and try to take from this tour at the same time. And this is really the first tournament where we are seeing that dynamic play out in the flesh. There was some of it, obviously, at the the JP McManus Pro-Am. that was a much more relaxed environment. Nobody was getting paid there. Really, no one had skin in the game, but there were live and non-live guys there in droves. But here, it is a practical impact on these guys lawyering their way into the field where it's becoming increasingly likely that Uh, they're not welcome and players are being a little more vocal about that.
0: Yeah, Eamon, I hear you and it is incredibly disappointing and it's very sad and it feels like the game is being torn apart right now as opposed to coming together, which is what we all want the game to do. But in the words of Colin Murakawa in his press conference yesterday let it go. He said, you know what? This is an amazing field. You've got 14 of the top 15 players in the world and that should be the storyline. And it should be the storyline because this is a week in golf that should be celebrated because the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour have come together to put this championship together and the field is extraordinary and not only that, I really think it's worth pointing out the importance of the Scottish Open and just the effect that that had on Konamara last year and his Open Championship win. He had never played Lynx Golf when he came to the Scottish Open last year. And he kind of took to the course at Renaissance and he thought, oh, my goodness, I I generally suck at (laughs) (laughs) at Lynx Golf. And he made some integral changes. He worked really hard with his caddy and he went through the bag and he made some big club changes. And what do you know? He went on to become the Open champion uh, the following week. So this is a big week of preparation for the players. I mean, Colin finished 71st that week at the Scottish Open, so he hardly even went into the Open looking anything like a favourite, let alone an eventual winner. So to go to this course, to go to Renaissance, to get some reps in, you know, you hear JT Post and he's going to be turning up to the Open, having also never played Lynx Golf. You know, a lot of players there will not have the experience, which is why a week like this is so important and is bigger than ever. And it's something that that should be the storyline. The Live Golf stuff has taken over and and it's... A little bit depressing right now and it should never have got this far but right now for me that's what we should be celebrating and
2: we should at least hope that it doesn't turn out to be a distraction next week as well but as contentious as it is at least the actual scottish open is being played earlier today the pga tour announced that the wgc hsbc champions will be cancelled for the third straight year due to covid 19 related restrictions the event was scheduled to be held in the fall with the cancellation, the Butterfield Bermuda Championship will become a standalone event offering full FedEx Cup points as well as an elevated purse of $6.5 million. Well, it-
0: been a busy season on the PGA Tour Champions with already three major winners crowned first Steve Stricker taking the title at the region's tradition Stephen Alka claiming his first major at the KitchenAid Senior PGA and Patrick Harrington recently adding his name to the list with a victory at the U.S. Senior Open so this week the run of majors on the PGA Tour Champions continues with the Bridgestone Senior Players Championship at Firestone Country Club in Akron, Ohio and our friend and colleague Justin Leonard will be making his PGA Tour Champions debut. So with that, we cannot help but take a little walk down memory lane with Justin ahead of his debut. So where better to start than the 1997 Open at Royal Troon? Leonard closing with a 65 to pick up a three stroke victory and his first major title. At the age of just 25, he became the youngest Open Championship winner since Seve Ballesteros' win back in 1979 at 22 years of age. And of course, we've seen this moment many a time over the course of the last month or so as we've Take you back to the 99 Ryder Cup at the Country Club. Leonard's 45-foot putt on that 17th hole during Sunday's singles match with Jose Maria Ola and the decisive half point that regained the Ryder Cup for the US. So, just in case we need a reminder, let's take a look at Justin Leonard's career accomplishment with those 12 PGA Tour wins. He's a major champ, a player's champ. He's represented the US uh, eight times on the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup and of course a US amateur champ and the winner of the Haskins Award back in 1994. So what a career and with that I'm absolutely delighted to welcome the man himself Justin Leonard. It is so good to see you. You've achieved so much in the game but this is a bit of a new chapter for you. How are the emotions ahead of your big debut on the Champions Tour?
7: I'm I'm excited to be here. I'm, I'm fascinated at how Uh, how I'm going to play because I don't really know. I've put in as much work as I can living in Colorado over the winter, uh, this early summer, we moved to Florida a couple weeks ago. There's been a lot going on in the Leonard household, but, uh, I've been looking forward to this week for the last year or so really. And, um, fun to be out and playing against and with a lot of guys that I've known for a very long time. Um and on a really hard golf course. It's one I'm familiar with. Uh, I expected to walk off a green and go up a tee box or two. That doesn't really happen here at Firestone. So we're playing up just a little bit on a few holes, but for the most part, we're gonna get to see most of the golf course. Um, But it's in beautiful shape and um, I'm curious, I'm as curious as you are to see where my game is.
2: Justin, you mentioned your familiarity with the golf course. You competed quite a lot there. Uh, in your regular PGA Tour career. You finished second to Tiger in the WGC event there once. Well, you won the Mortals division. That was the year Tiger won by 11 strokes over the rest of the field. Is this a golf course that will really give you uh, a sound judgment of where your game is, given how long and difficult it is for you?
7: I, I think it will, Amen, because it's it's tied off the tee, uh, there's not as much rough as when I used to play here, and even from what guys have told me from the last couple of years, uh, it's you know two and a half, three inches. It's it's fairly manageable, especially around the greens. Uh, the greens are beautiful. The golf course is in great shape. Uh, we've got some rain this week, so it's going to be a little softer. Fortunately, I I still kind of play the back tees when I when I play and have been preparing for this so um, you know, a lot of four five and six irons. And those are clubs that I've been working on certainly leading into this, uh, and clubs that I've played w- with quite a bit, um, uh, leading up playing golf courses, whether it's in Florida or, or back home in Colorado, or excuse me, former home old habits die hard. Um, so I- I'm, I'm curious to see where things are, but I do think it's a golf course that, um, uh, if, if i play to my ability and can kind of stay in the moment i think it's a golf course i can play well on
0: now justin a little birdie told me that six years ago you bet your swing coach that you would never return to competitive golf ever again you are so first of all have you paid that bet and second of all did you did you at one point think that you would never be in this position that you're about to put yourself into
7: anna when i stopped playing back in 2016 uh and got into to working with with you guys at Golf Channel and NBC, I just really want to focus on that. I, I didn't have any ideas or notions of, hey, when I turn 50, I'm going to go play, those kind of things. I just wanted to go all in uh, as an analyst. And and so, yeah, Randy Smith and I, we made a bet, and I did pay it back at the, at the Byron Nelson, AT&T Byron Nelson, which I played back in May just to kind of get a sense of where my game was. So I've paid the bet off, but, but I've had a sense here in the last year, year and a half, as I got closer to turning 50, that I was going to at least give it a shot. Uh, but I waited a good bit to pay off that bet, um, just in case, and, and I wanted to see if, if, if Randy was going to offer a buyout, which he kind of did. We settled for half, but then he, he bet me another wager on my finish in the tournament. And I think, Eamon, you had a similar bet for like a top 40 finish. Um, so sorry to disappoint you, Eamon, but at least it saved me some money because I was going to have to pay Randy off a little bit extra had I, had I made the cut and finished top 40.
2: But Justin, you've got a lot going on here. You mentioned you just moved house as well. You've got a young family. You've got a TV career trying to help with my golf game, which, again, isn't going so well. What does a competitive career actually look like for you in terms of the PGA Tour champions? What's realistic and how much we'll see you out there?
7: Well, I, I, I've i got my schedule for this year. I've got five more events with NBC. I'll work next week at the Open, the three FedEx Cup playoff events, and then the President's Cup. And then in between that, I'm going to play four, maybe five events. Um, so, it, you know, we've got summer stuff. We've got family things, um, you know, already planned. So I, I'm not going to come out and play every week that I'm not working television. I'm going to kind of ease my way into it and – and thankfully, I'm I'm able to do that because, uh, you know, I'm exempt out here for a while from what I accomplished on the regular PG tour. So I think by the end of the season, I'll have a sense of where my game is. Um, hopefully, I can be competitive at, at some point during the stretch, whether it's this week or, or moving forward. My next event's not until uh, the Ascension Tournament in St. Louis in September. So um, I think this week will be a good litmus test. It'll help me give give me a sense of, of what I need to work on uh, between now and my next start. And, um, you know, just I have no idea what next year looks like. I'm just focusing on this season, this week here. Uh, then, you know, Sunday night I'll start diving into the Open at St. Andrews and, and all that entails to get ready and prepared. So, um, you know, it's it's a full plate, but it's a lot of fun stuff. I've, I've loved my time at Golf Channel and NBC – Um, And I still do to this day. I love trying to get better and find ways to um, provide some entertainment, some education to our viewers um, and able to now maybe help some of that hopefully will translate into what I'm doing on the golf course here these next few months.
0: Justin, I can confirm you have done all of that, and we always love watching you up on the desk here on Golf Channel. And I know, as you mentioned, you've been spinning a lot of plates recently. You also moved your whole family over to Florida, which I'm sure has been great for the game. But I know golf is now a huge part of your family life as well. I think your boys, are they now sort of full-blown golf addicts? How much are you out there sort of embracing all of that with them at the moment?
7: Well, Luke, my 15-year-old, has has totally been, um, you know, Totally been bitten by the golf bug. Skyler, my 12 year old, it kind of comes and goes. I, I think he'll play a little bit more in Florida as as he meets, you know, friends and and they're playing the game. But my 15 year old, he's got a tournament next week. Um, he was concerned because they're all coming up here uh, tonight. Uh, he was concerned about his practice time, and I've I've guaranteed him like he will get some time to practice because he wants to get ready for his tournament. He's got golf tryouts coming up uh in august and he understands that that high school golf in colorado is much different than high school golf in florida so um but he's up to the challenge he's working his tail off and honestly the the time that he puts into it um i've kind of gravitated towards it more just because he wants to be out there playing golf so much so we work a lot together um it's been interesting you know, kind of coaching um, your child. I I, I actually um, I saw Mike Thomas on the on the range down in Florida last week, and and I asked him a couple questions about coaching. You know, his son Justin, and he talked about separating the the two relationships: the father son versus the instructor and student. So um, it's been a lot of fun. It's I have to remember sometimes to focus a little bit more on myself and not as much on him. I think every parent can. Can probably identify with that. And um, I'm just thankful that I have people like Eamon in my inner circle. Um, as, as you may not know, he's you know, kindly offered to be my mental coach. And, and I told him with all that I've got going on, we would do Mo, we, we've talked about doing more of a postmortem next week over a pint or two at St. Andrews. So um, to have people like Eamon in my corner gives me a lot of confidence.
2: Well, I'm, I'm hoping you won't have reason to be driven to drink in St. Andrews next week, Justin. <laughs> but, but let's talk about go from this week's major to next week's major. You competed in five Opens on the old course. Is there anything the old course particularly demands of players more so than other open venues? And do you have your eye on anyone in particular next week?
7: Well, I, I think at St. Andrews, you have to show some flexibility because there's so many different options off the tee. You know, the safer route, which is typically to the left, um, especially on the front nine, when you're, you're playing out, playing across, uh, into some of the other fairways and things like that, or the more aggressive line down the right-hand side, uh, as all links golf wind is a huge factor in, in strategy and, in how you you're able to attack holes. I feel like St. Andrews more than most courses kind of rewards distance. Although, you know, Zach Johnson winning there, um, you know, maybe disproves that a little bit, but, um. And so I, I think you look at some of the longer players in the game, um, which a lot of those guys seem to be kind of at the top of the the, the money list, the, the FedEx Cup points and all those things in the world rankings. So um, I love the way Rory McIlroy is playing. Um, certainly Sam Burns, Scotty Scheffler. I think you look at those guys that are that are near the top of the world rankings um, that all seem to be playing very well. I, I think those will certainly be your favorites. And then, of course, John Rahm. Um, wonderful Lynx player. And, um, you know, it, it's. I think St. Andrews always produces excitement because of the golf course, but it also produces uh, wonderful, wonderful champions.
0: Yeah, it is going to be an amazing week, Justin. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so looking forward to seeing you uh, out there this week. Eamon's uh, Hotline will be open 24 hours uh, this week. If you do need a bit of a pep talk along the way, <laughs> Is all is, but thank you so much and so wonderful to see you. Best of luck.
7: Thank you both for having me.
2: Well, WWE superstar The Miz is used to performing under the bright lights, but the pressure this week will be different as he makes his debut at the American Century Championship. The Miz joins us right here on Golf Channel after the break. to golf today this week brings one of the more entertaining golf tournaments of the year on the schedule and there isn't even a single tour player in sight the american century championship gets underway friday in lake tahoe and just like it is every year it's a star-studded field which includes some of the biggest names in celebrity golf there's the buffalo bills quarterback josh allen sir charles Barkley, steph curry one of the names you see there on the right the ms wwe superstar and with that, we're pleased to welcome in the Miz, who's making his debut this week in the American Century Championship. And you're accustomed to performing in public here, but is the pressure going to be different for you with the nerves hitting a tee shot in front of a lot of spectators yeah. in Lake Tahoe? So,
1: you know, I played yesterday uh, just as a practice round in a pro am. A 13-year-old beat me, <laughs> uh, so I, I, I'm on a my, my confidence is 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 it was here and now it's kind of down here. So I'm hoping when an audience, a live audience, I'm going to be here. Hopefully they'll be cheering because I'm used to people booing me. <laughs> uh, i a bad guy in WWE. But uh, hopefully they'll be cheering and it'll be able to feed me uh, some adrenaline. And I'll be able to hit the ball 350 yards because honestly, out here that ball travels.
0: Well, that's it. I mean, you're the Miz. You're a born entertainer. You were born to be in front of crowds. Now, this is, of course, your sort of breakout moment in the world of celebrity golf. You've got some of the biggest celeb golfers in the game. You know, no messing around at this tournament. It's the biggest celeb golf tournament out there. Are you plan- How are you planning on entertaining the crowds and kind of ge- getting back into that zone of what you know so well?
1: Oh, man, I mean, and it, honestly, I just feel an energy. Once you get out there and you feel an energy and what the crowd is doing, you kind of play off of it. So whatever the audience is doing, I'm hoping to just enjoy myself, have fun, and hopefully have the audience have fun with us. I mean, I think that's what this is all about. Not only that, but uh, the charity aspect of this. you know, You know, a lot of money gets donated to a bunch of charities out here. So it's going for a good cause. It's a lot of entertainment. It's a lot of fun. And honestly, I'm just my head is on a swivel looking at all these celebrities out here, I'm like, oh man, oh man, Charles Barkley's right there, this is incredible. So it's, it's pretty cool.
2: I wanna show you a video that was taken yesterday out of the golf course by a great writer, a friend of mine, Josh Sands, who took a little video of you setting up on the tee here. Now I can appreciate a man who gets deep into his own head with the agonies of this game, but it looks as though it takes you a long time to pull the trigger here. How many swing thoughts are you working on this week?
1: So, so when I line up for uh, to, for a drive, I will literally, all right, put my hands correctly. I will make sure that I'm on my front foot because I'm I'm so used to uh, ending up on my back foot, and I don't want that. And then I'm also thinking about trying to get my hips going. Uh, so that these there's so many things that go through my head, and everyone is literally going shoot, shoot already. <laughs> my gosh, you take forever. So I am that guy that takes forever because I have to get my mind right. I got to get it cleared, and everyone's trying to tell me you're doing it wrong because you just got to feel it. You got to have the tempo. You got this. You got 45 people going in my mind. I'm like, look, I'm the WWE superstar <laughs> here. I know what I need to to have a successful golf swing so leave me alone and allow me to just hit the darn ball
4: oh
0: the miz you've been beaten by a 13 year old your head's exploding with swing thoughts it's it's gonna be a tough week out there but I know you I know you are a huge golf fan and I know it kind of goes back to your childhood and the love the, the love of the game that you had with your dad sort of walking the circuits around Cleveland tell us a little bit about your passion for the game and how that all started
1: it all started when I was uh, I was in high school, uh, actually junior high with my dad. He bought me a set of clubs and said, hey, you want to go golfing? It'll kind of be our thing. And so it ended up being our thing. Every Sunday, my dad and I and my cousin and my uncle, we would play for dinner at Red Lobster. And uh, every week it'd be something different, you know? So it was, it was a lot of fun. And now I have my own two little girls who are four and two and a half who I take on the golf course. And a proud papa moment was when noticing, like, I'm left-handed, and both of my girls right, right-handed, but my little one, Madison, she shoots left-handed, and it's kind of like, oh wow, she kind of swings like me. So uh, it's 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 great to be able to have that with my dad, but then also have it with my children.
2: And the good thing is, if you lose to your children, you don't actually have to pay for drinks at this point in the Red Lobster dinner either. <laughs> That's right. What constitutes a good week? for you this week in your debut in the American Century Championship. What are the expectations?
1: I got out here and honestly, I just wanna enjoy myself and have fun. You know, so many times I get so competitive and want to win and yes, I do want to win, but I also just wanna enjoy myself, have fun and be able to soak in the moment. Sometimes we're involved in these big events and you know, you're so uh, laser focused on what you wanna do as a competitor that you forget why you enjoy golf so much and i just want to smell the fresh cut grass see the beautiful scenery entertain an audience hear the audience and have a couple great shots and maybe be at the top of the leaderboard
0: oh good stuff and well, i have a feeling fun pretty much follows you wherever you go uh, it's been an absolute joy to have you on the show enjoy the experience as you say it's going to be a magnificent week. we can't wait to see you out there thanks so much
1: Thank you guys very much, and uh, definitely tune in to the ACC. It's going to be something special to watch.
0: That we will.
2: The Open is only a week away, and since the old course is the biggest stage in the game, it's only fitting that we have some equally bold predictions. Lady Jackson and I will offer up some almost outrageous predictions. And after watching Tiger Woods for 36 holes this week at the JP McManus Pro Am in Ireland, what conclusions can we draw about his game, his body, and his prospects for a third open title at St. Andrews. Talk today and use now.
1: Golf Today. Brought to you by Pointsbet.
0: And with that we say good afternoon and welcome you into our Golf Channel Studios. Lady Jackson with you as uh, Eamon Lynch so kindly just called me. A always emotion. a pleasure, always a pleasure to be on the desk with you Lynch. A big hour coming up. We're looking ahead uh, to the rest of the season on the LPGA. We'll be looking at Tigers Week at the JP McManus and we'll also be hearing from John Ram because this week is a big week for the DP World Tour as the Genesis, Genesis Scottish Open begins tomorrow at the Renaissance Club in North Berwick Scotland. And for the first time this event becomes official on the pga tour as it is being co-sponsored with the dp world tour this is one of the dp world tours rolex series events and is also an open qualifying series event with the top three finishers among the top 10 not already exempt for the major earning spots into the Open at St. Andrews. So let's take a look at some of these two times shall we, that we will be seeing this week. They're a little bit late thanks to the uh, five hour time difference but you can see Rahm, world number one, Scheffler and Hovland going off at 1.05. Jordan Spieth, he'll be heading out with Trill Hatton and Cameron Smith at 1.15pm. Then we've got our reigning US Open champion Matthew Fitzpatrick, Colin Murakawa and Will Zalatoris at 6.15pm tomorrow evening followed by Justin Thomas, Matsuyama, and Tommy Fleetwood. So let's hear from some of the biggest names in the game and how they're using this week to prepare for the Open Championship.
8: As much as I love Lynx Golf and the Open Championship, I've really not played it very well uh, in my my career. So a couple years ago, I was just trying to pretty much try something different to to try to stop finishing tied for 50th or miss the cut at the open, so I needed to do something different and i 'm really glad I decided to come play the Scottish a couple of years ago because it's um, I feel like it 's been good preparation for me it's uh, it 's a fun golf course i mean it's not it clearly isn't overly challenging I mean like most Lynx courses it 's very dependent on the weather you get and we've we 've had nice weather the last couple of times but um, haven 't had many days like it is out there today <laughs> at the moment but I just feel like it's really good opportunity to try to come get my game in shape and, and also get acclimated to the time change, the weather, just everything about it, the, the turf, and uh, you know try to get in good form playing next week. I think the, the event
9: before this for me last year was, I think, the U.S. Open, right, at Torrey, and my game felt as good as it had been throughout the entire year. And then I came over here and, you know, it was a little windy, but nothing crazy. And I was hitting nine irons to edges of the greens and it just wasn't acceptable. And, you know, sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. I, th- I always like to think I'm right, but that's never the case. Um, and I just kept complaining to JJ that, like, my irons felt terrible and I couldn't explain why. I just couldn't hit the ball in the center of the face. So, you know, without this extra week of just prep here, at you know, at Renaissance, And playing here at the Scottish Open, um, I wouldn't have never thought about changing irons, you know So if I had just shown up to the Open Championship last year um, It probably just been would have been a repeat of what I saw last year during this event was Hitting maybe fairways and then missing every green which you know is not the case for trying to win major championships I've never played uh, an Open Championship at St Andrews, so uh, I've only ever played the Dunhill there, so I'm
2: going to be uh, interested to see how the setup set is very different. I'm, I'm sure. Um, I've heard that it's sort of pretty firm already, which is which is good. Um, but yeah, I guess
8: um, yeah, I'm just going to be interested to see how how different it is. Competing in the Open. Um just to play in the open is really special and to have an open at St. Andrews, you know, the home of golf will be really special. And I'm looking forward to the challenge. You know, today we had these crazy wins and I only played nine holes, but it was actually really fun to play and you're just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And it'll take a little bit of time to get used to um, wins like that. It felt may have been the only wind I've played in that was harder than the players this year. Um, but outside of that, you know, when you're playing this style of golf and that much wind, it's actually really fun. So looking forward to the challenge. I think it's very important to to play an event when you're trying to get ready for a major like it is the Open Championship, right? We don't play when you live in the U.S. You don't see anything like it all year round, and uh, it takes a bit of adjusting to to get your golf game more fitted for Lynx golf, right? You have to be able to control your your spin, your trajectory, your ball flight, and uh, and try to use the ground a lot more than we're used to in the U.S. So being able to come a week before and have such a strong field competing, um, you know, it's, it's an added bonus. Now with, with St. Andrews, yeah, I've dreamed of play, playing an Open at the old course. It's a, it's a dream, I believe, of every golfer, especially for a European golfer. And to be the 150th edition, it's, you know, it's, it's something that's very, very significant. And... Uh, I can't imagine, I can't really tell you how many times I've been shown and I've been told and I've seen the images of Seve celebrating his winning putt. Uh, and it would be absolutely amazing to hopefully you'd be able to, to join my lane to that list. And to be honest, I don't think there's a bigger achievement in golf than winning an open championship in St. Andrews. Uh, I think it's as big as it gets.
0: So, some big names doing some big preparations ahead of next week's Open Championship. So, as Teddy Greenstein mentioned earlier in the show, here is a look at the outright odds for the Open, powered by PointSpec Sportsbook. You can see Roy McIlroy right now is the favourite at plus 900. John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler not far behind. Matt Fitzpatrick, US Open winner, coming in at plus 2,000. And you can see Tiger Woods there at the bottom at plus 4,000, which isn't actually that bad, considering... What the man has been through. But let's make some bold predictions, shall we, Amy Lynch? Bold predictions of what you think we might see next week at the open. Well, I'm
2: a great believer in the predictability of Scottish weather. And I don't think we're going to get the conditions that guys were just talking about there that they're seeing today at the Renaissance Club, where, as we say in Ireland, it's blowing a hoolie mm-hmm. out there this afternoon. But the long-range forecast for St. Andrews next week, it's pretty calm, pretty dry. My bold prediction, if that holds up, scoring records are going to fall in possibly two scoring records. If we look at the all-time winning totals in the Open Championship, Henrik Stenson set the all-time record 20 under par six years ago at Royal Troon. There you see St Andrews. Tiger shot 19 under par to win in 2000, just eclipsed by a stroke Nick Valdo's all-time St Andrews record from 20 years or 10 years earlier. I actually think those are in jeopardy if they get to the point where they have calm conditions and the golf course has no defences when they get to the open next week because let's not forget there are at least four par 4s on the old course that are reachable. And you don't even have to be one of the longest guys in the field to reach a lot of those par 4s from the tee. It's only two par 3s, only two par 5s, but the the par 4s offer scoring opportunities that could really and it started to demolish scoring records. It's it's possible even the single-round scoring record in tournament play at the old course will be in jeopardy here. That was set by Ross Fisher in the Dunhill Lynx on the DP World Tour one year. I, I think if the conditions are calm, the numbers are going to be very low.
0: But don't performances like that take more than just benign conditions. I mean, Henrik Stenson, when he went pretty much head-to-head with Phil Mickelson on Sunday, they were in a complete league of their own. Tiger Woods was Tiger Woods. He cleared the field by eight shots when he won it there in, in back in 2000. Does it take more than just the right conditions? It needs the right player at the right time in the right zone and everything just clicking perfectly to reach scores like that.
2: Yeah, but the odds of that happening increase when you have every single great player in the world who's actually showing up there next week. And so many of them are actually playing really well. At the moment, it, it's very conceivable that you could just find a guy who finds that zone next week and without the the conditions to, to help defend the golf course. I mean, we had Potter Carrington on the show last week who suggested that the RNA might start to hide some pins in more creative locations on the greens in the attempt to, to protect the old course if the conditions aren't going to do it. And, you know, we've seen the old course hold up pretty well over the years if the conditions are on its side. If they're not, then it's very hard to mount any kind of defence against the best players in the world. But I, I still think that, that that's my bold prediction, that the numbers <laughs> could be really deep into the red. What's your bold prediction? OK,
0: my bold prediction, no, it is rather bold, so be with me, but I, I'm just uh, filling the assignment. Tiger Woods, he is going to make the cut. Now, that is a little bit bold, you could say it in itself, but I think he's going to make the cut. It's the Open Championship, it's... The old course, it is the home of golf. There is nowhere more special uh, to potentially do this bold prediction. You know, it's the last chance of an open championship. I'm thinking he retires, he makes the cut, and he retires. Now, I know it may not happen, but just picture the scene, Eamon. You know, he's going to give this Open Championship everything that he's got. He said he wants to give it one more run at a high level. It's the old course. We've seen iconic players over the years waving goodbye on the Swilcan Bridge. You know, picture the scenes, Jack Nicklaus. It was something that we'll never forget. And Tiger, what an amazing place to hang up the clubs. He's, his body is so beaten. We saw him at the JP McManus. Yes, it was a bit of a hit and giggle, but... The man is going through so much struggle and pain and he has to hang the clubs up eventually. Why not do it this weekend, next weekend at the old course? Are
2: you trying to break my heart? <laughs> no. Have I not suffered enough in this game that now you're going to tell us that there's a possibility Tiger might go... Now, in fairness, Tiger's always been the guy who said he wasn't going to be a ceremonial golfer and show up in his 50s just to, to wave. But, you know, Jack said the same. Arnie said the same. Tom Watson said the same. They all did play that role in the latter days of their competitive careers. All of the greats say goodbye at St. Andrews. It's where they all want to do it. I expect Tiger would probably do that at some stage. I'm unconvinced he'll do it (laughs) next week. If, If he does, it would be a sad day for this game. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have your bold moment here, Anna, but I hope you're 100% wrong. Thank,
0: thank you. But I I mean, mine's wrong as well. The, mind the you. less bold element of the prediction was that he will make the cut. I mean, he's Tiger, he's sort of a master of the old course. Depending on the conditions, you kind of think that a wet, tough old course would play more into his strengths because he can plot his way around it, he can think his way around it, which is the patience of the younger players that will get tested. It. And Tiger is an absolute veteran out there. Can you see him making it to Sunday?
2: Oh, absolutely. I would actually be more surprised if he didn't make it to Sunday. And you're right in terms of the the tougher the conditions in terms of how the course is playing, the better it is for Tiger, but only in terms of wind. If it's cold and if it's wet, Tiger's body is not going to loosen up as much. He's talked often about his back issues, which we've kind of forgotten about, given how much the leg has been to the fore recently. But his back issues are such that in cold conditions, he doesn't loosen up. It particularly well, and he would struggle if the weather is, you know, one of those typical Scottish summer days where you get three different seasons, none of which is the season you're actually in. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think if we can see conditions that fall like the way he wants them to, in the sense that we're guile and savvy and treachery is actually rewarded in links golf, because he's got enough power to compete out there You just can't see conditions that would compromise him physically. It would be hard to see him work his way around that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, no-one digs deeper in this game than Tiger Woods. I cannot wait to see what he does next week at the Open.
7: Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway
6: Golf.
0: Welcome back. Well, we are just about at the halfway point of the 2022 LPGA Tour season. And what a season it has been so far. We've had 14 different winners representing nine countries, two multiple winners, both of those major champions this season, Minji Lee and Jennifer Kupcho. The youngest winner has been a Thai Titical at the age of just 19. Two winners in their 30s, Marina Alex at 31 and Yunhee Ji at 36. And three American winner winners, Kupcho, she's won twice, Danielle Kang, Uh, and Marina Alex. So let's take a look at the huge championships that we've still got to come on the women's side. Uh, Two majors still to go, the Amundi Evian Championship that is towards the end of July, beginning of August. We see the AIG Women's Open and then the season concludes in mid-November at the CME Group Tour Championship. So... With that, it is time now for a mid-year review, so I'm very pleased to welcome in our very own Paige McKenzie. Paige, always good to see you. Tell us, at this point of the season, who is your mid-year Player of the Year on the LPGA Tour?
10: It's pretty hands-down at this point. Anybody looking at what's been going on with the LPGA season, that Minji Lee is way out front in the Player of the Year race... And when you look at what has been different this year for her, yeah, she's picked up a little bit of distance, but part of that's deceptive because she lost distance a couple years ago. Uh, She's always been a strong ball striker, and then we, we have some proximity numbers this year, but we've never been able to compare it to years past. I actually think maybe the biggest change for Minji Lee might be mentality. Going back to 2021, where she won her first major championship at the Evian, she's approaching major championships with the right attitude.
4: It was hard but it was super fun you know we play for these types of Sundays and it was just a whole lot of fun and because the difficulty was that much harder and the wind was up I think um, that's what made it even better so I think it was just kind of perfect because the first three days it was really quite soft and today you kind of guessed a little bit on how much it was going to roll or if it was going to stop so I think that was like an element of mystery like element of guessing there so I I think it was just a really great setup.
7: Because of the way math works, rankings lag behind reality. Do you feel like you're the best player in the world?
4: I think I'm contending. (laughs) Um, You know, I still want to be humble, stay humble, but I want to think that I'm hard to beat right now. (laughs)
10: Obviously, that sound was from the KPMG Women's PGA, her last start where she finished as a tied runner-up. So she's played the major championships well this year, a 12th place finish at Chevron, uh, the win at the U.S. Open, and a second place finish at KPMG. And next on the schedule for Minji Lee, she's going to be defending at the Evian, uh, the next major championship. So, Anna, as I look at what we've seen so far and then maybe project ahead, I don't see a lot stopping Minji Lee to continue this cruise that she's had this season.
2: Paige, is there anyone who's worthy of an honorable mention in that player of the year category who you think, if they go on a heater for the next few months, might actually give Minji Lee some competition for that honor?
10: Well, I, I certainly know a player that's looking forward to getting back to Evian. And that's another player that is second on the list in that player of the year race. And that's Jennifer Cupcho. She's also had a tremendous season, a breakout season, if you will. Her first LPGA win, which came in major form at the Chevron. And then she backed it up with a win just a couple of weeks ago at the Meyer LPGA Classic. Well, she's returning to the Evian, where back in her rookie year in 2019, she finished runner-up, which helped secure her status in a shortened season. So keeping an eye on Jennifer Cupcho and when I look at how she's performed over those couple of years that she's now been on tour, she's always been known as a great driver of the golf ball, but she's even gotten longer. If we look at how her stats have compared You can see that her distance back in 2019, she was 261. She's gained seven yards since then. But what's notable is as she's gained distance each and every year, her accuracy has also improved. This is tremendous to be hitting 80% of the fairways and being one of the top uh, distance. On the LPGA tour as well that makes her the best driver of the golf ball on the LPGA tour when you consider total driving which is accuracy and distance combined so that's how Jennifer Cup chose getting it done it's already a strength when she first got on the LPGA tour and now she's superior to anybody out there.
0: You know, it doesn't even feel that long ago since uh, Jennifer Cupture was graduating from Wake Forest. She's such a big standout college star. We've had some great college stars this year in their rookie season, the likes of Lynn Grant from ASU. She's been a standout. When you look at the rookies that we've got this season, Paige, uh, who's your sort of mid-season rookie of the year at the moment?
10: This is another one that's pretty obvious right now in a, a Titical because she has that win on the LPGA Tour. And she's one of the most anticipated rookies that I've ever seen. She won on the LET at 14 years old, won additionally before she became an LET member on the Ladies European Tour last season, where she took home Rookie of the Year honors and Player of the Year honors. So we were excited to see her play, and fast forward just five events into her LPGA season, she shot a final round 64 to take the JTBC LPGA title back in Southern California. So she's leading the charge from the rookie's perspective. And she's doing it because of rounds like that, where she shoots 64. She's second on the LPGA Tour in birdie average. So for a rookie, she hasn't taken hardly any time to acclimate to the LPGA Tour. And again, maybe no surprise given her record before she even got to the LPGA Tour.
2: Well, Fidical certainly makes a compelling case for Rookie of the Year, Paige. Is there anyone who's even (laughs) in the discussion at this point for the remainder of the year?
10: Hedge and Choi for sure. She has made serious waves, and if it weren't for Titicals, she would be top of the list. Uh, and it's. She also had a great record coming into the LPGA Tour. Uh, A lot of players didn't know as much about her because she played on the Korean LPGA Tour prior to coming to the LPGA Tour, but she herself has a tremendous record. Uh, 11 wins on the KLPGA. We remember her, you may remember her, from the 2017 U.S. Open where she was runner-up. She was actually runner-up two other times before becoming an LPGA member. And then, as you see, Australian women's amateur champion as well as the Canadian women's amateur champion. So a solid performer in and Choi, a solid resume, I should say, coming into this year. And then when you look at how she gets it done, uh, whether it's ball striking, whether it's putting, it certainly is ball striking. Uh, when you look at the list of the best ball strikers on the LPGA Tour, I, meant it, I mentioned Jennifer Cupcho was the best in total driving. She's also adding the Greens and regulation rank. She's number one in total ball striking. and Choi, Choi, number two on the LPGA, and then following her, Minji Lee. So you got three of, the, three of the four names I was talking about today that are all the best ball strikers on the LPGA Tour if you're wondering what this tour rewards.
0: Yeah, and Choi, she could be a
10: big talent. Pushed her, Inji
0: Chun in the final round of that KPMG Women's PGA Championship as well, so watch out for her. page. thank you so much for your LPGA Tour insight, as always. Uh, have a great week. Thanks, you too. Good stuff. Well, staying on the topic of the LPGA Tour, earlier today it was announced that for the third consecutive year the Buick LPGA Shanghai has been cancelled due to ongoing COVID-19-related restrictions. The event was scheduled to be played in October.